0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Gowley. Our guest this week is Gary Adams, President and CEO of the National Cotton Council. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. Syngenta Products and Services, helping farmers increase their return on investment. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with NCC's Gary Adams, next. Commodity prices remain under pressure. That's why now, more than ever, Farmers are focused on their return on investment. More and more, farmers depend on Syngenta products and services designed to increase their ROI. See the Syngenta seed innovations made for better ROI. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. U.S. cotton farmers are looking forward to new opportunities in 2019. National Cotton Council President and CEO Gary Adams says last year's harvest still isn't done. And many growers, especially in the southeast, are dealing with the ill effects of two major hurricanes. Adams says while they're pleased with the provisions of the 2018 Farm Bill, disaster assistance is critical for some growers.
1: When you go across, you know, the panhandle of Florida, the southeastern part of Alabama, a wide swath of Georgia, and then up through the Carolinas, we have done some estimates uh, that would suggest that. Probably when you look at the impact of those hurricanes, that was in excess of a million bales of lost production, and it came really at one of the worst times when the cotton was ready to be harvested, and it took one of the most devastating paths going across the heart of the southeast cotton, and in particular hitting Georgia. So we do have a lot of producers that are still struggling, struggling to get what's left harvested, struggling with paying off the production loans that they would have had for the 2018 crop and then also the challenges of getting financing for 2019. So disaster assistance is going to be critical. We continue to convey that need in Washington. We're encouraged that some of the bills that were put forward through the House appropriations process included disaster assistance. And then we also saw some efforts in the Senate to put uh, disaster assistance in some of those packages. So we do see that there's an opportunity for some disaster assistance as we look going forward, but the shutdown, just the uh, the discussions going on around border security, we don't see really anything on disaster assistance moving as a separate package. We believe if there's a chance to do some, it's going to be tied up in some type of overall funding bill that funds the government for the rest of fiscal 2019.
0: If we were to talk to your board of directors or your delegates What would they say of the Trump administration's tariffs and repercussions that might be felt by your industry? And then the really loaded question is, is it worth it?
1: Well, certainly, I think they understand the overall objectives of where President Trump's administration is looking at on terms of China. I know there are some bigger objectives that are being focused on with intellectual property and technology transfer and things of of that nature. You know, I think there's also... An understanding of where he's trying to go in terms of reaching some of those reforms. Now, at the same time, there is concern when we look at how that is playing out in the, in the case of retaliatory tariffs. and uh, and it it has definitely had an impact on sales going into China because we were anticipating You know, within this 2018 marketing year, China might have been a three million bale market for U.S. cotton, and now it's probably in somewhere in the range of 750,000 to a million bales that may be able to enter into China. I think our message continues to be, you know, to push uh, and urge the U.S. negotiators uh, to reach some type of resolution of these uh, trade tensions, and hopefully be able to meet that March one deadline to have issues worked out so that those tariffs can be removed. Because I do think there's, when we look at China, uh, they've been going through a period over the last few years of working off some uh, very burdensome stocks. Those are at a much more manageable level within China now, and their domestic production has declined and their their mill use is recovering. So we see a, a potential for significant imports by China as we move into the rest of 2019, more so into 2020. Uh, we just hope the U.S. is in a position to be able to claim that market share.
0: If you can put it in a percentage or in a dollars and cents, how important is China to the U.S. cotton industry? And Gary, have they dealt with you fairly over the history of trade between the two sides?
1: Well and if you look at in dollars and cents and we go back to, you know, some of those numbers that we would look at where they've been the largest export market, two and a half to three million bales, that's uh, 15 to 20% of the crop has gone into China in a given year, so you're probably looking at a, a billion dollars plus in terms of sales that could go into China. Uh, so very significant. Uh, you know, there are questions as we look at, uh, you know, some of the, some of the challenges of, of doing business in China where there are, while there are significant customers and have been in the past, uh, we could always uh, push to see more transparency in the way that import quotas are allocated uh, that's been one of the issues that we've raised in the past is we would like to see a bit more uh, transparency in the import quotas, maybe a little more flexibility in the times uh, from when the quota is is announced until uh, cotton can be landed into uh, the Chinese market. So I, th- I do think there's some opportunities there to improve the transparency and administration of quotas. And typically we've seen, though, when those quotas are available – they do fill up and the U.S. Has, has had an opportunity to have, you know, market share somewhere between forty to forty five percent of the Chinese market. By comparison, right now, we're looking at market share that runs somewhere around ten or twelve percent. So that gives you an impact, that gives you some sense of the challenges we're facing as we look at uh, the impacts of the tariffs.
0: Were the Trump administration's market facilitation program payments enough to tide you over? And here's the big one. Should this trade war escalate or simply continue will the current programs that you have in place from the farm bill and others be enough to maintain your industry
1: well you know the uh, the the market facilitation programs that were provided by the administration have certainly been helpful I don't I don't think though it's six cents per pound on the 2018 crop uh, that you can say that's filled all of the whole that was left in the market because, again, we go back and look at, you know, estimates of, say, how the market has has developed from or has moved along since we were in the summer with prices trading in the low 90s on the uh, New York contract and now we talk about in the mid-70s, for example. So we have lost probably more in terms of market prices than the six cents, but it has been helpful. It's certainly very much appreciated. It helps fill a part of the hole. Now, we hope as we look forward... That with the new farm bill being put in place and then also the new seed cotton program, which was actually put in place for the 2018 crop, that's going to be a benefit as well if we continue to see pressure on prices. Uh, we view it as an improved safety net. We're encouraged as well by the farm bill and the continuation of the seed cotton program. So we do believe that provides a, a safety net that is going to help and is it going to, you know, does it provide a good foundation under the, under the industry? It does. But at the same time, No farm program is going to completely offset the prospect for, when you look at the grower's bottom line, is going to completely offset the prospect of stronger demand for their product and better market prices. So that's still got to be the goal. This is going to be a safety net that will sustain the industry, but this goes on longer term, you know, it becomes harder and harder to regain that market share, and I think that becomes a concern is the longer-term impacts that we see.
0: Closer to home, NAFTA is still in place. We've got an agreement with the USMCA. How important are our neighbors to the north and the south, and how did you fare in the USMCA?
1: So when we look at NAFTA and now USMCA and the trade that occurs between the United States and Mexico and Canada, for the cotton and the textile industry, the bigger player there, the more, the more significant trade relationships are generally between the United States and Mexico. Uh, Mexico has been a strong customer of U.S. cotton. Most years we'll sell them somewhere around a million bales of U.S. cotton will go to Mexico. We also sell a significant amount of U.S. produced yarn and fabric. Uh, So those are are important trade relationships. We were encouraged and obviously very pleased to see that the duty-free, quota-free access that we had under NAFTA is continued under USMCA on the textile provisions. Uh, there was some tightening up of the provisions, some of the tightening of the loopholes in the rules of origin, so that was encouraging. But in general, the USMCA, as we understand, it's going to, it's going to function a lot like the NAFTA did for the cotton and textile sector, even though there's a few tweaks around, around the edges. That's going to preserve some of those, uh, those trade relationships that we have. It's going to preserve the supply chain. So we're, Overall, we're encouraged with where we're coming out on USMCA.
0: Part of the Trump Administration Market Facilitation Program was some additional funds toward developing global markets. Are there prized opportunities out there that you just haven't been able to crack yet that would certainly be of benefit for your industry?
1: There are, and we were pleased with the announcement on the allocations for under that uh, ag trade promotion. Uh, cotton Council International is our export promotion arm for the cotton industry, has been a longtime cooperator under the MAP and FMD programs, and we're able to secure about uh, $9 million to be used for uh, some other market promotion activities. And we do see some opportunities. There are some growth markets such as Vietnam, Bangladesh, Indonesia, Pakistan to some extent. So we think there are some opportunities to try to To gain some market share in some places like Bangladesh, where we still have a relatively low market share of their imports, we're somewhere in the range of about 10 to 15%. In the absence of the Chinese market, we're certainly looking to uh, cultivate some of those new markets, and and we're going to have to do that to find a home for U.S. cotton and and so hopefully that will be a benefit and we're we're encouraged to be able to use those funds uh, going forward.
0: We're seeing some some really big changes in consumer food choices, alternative meats, genetically engineered food, what's on the food label, uh, autonomous food delivery, just all kinds of changes. But what about the consumer and their attitude toward fiber and the future? Is this opportunity or is this challenge for the cotton
1: industry? Well, it, it, it's probably a little bit of both as we look at uh, uh, consumer perceptions of, of cotton, and we are seeing that change in, uh, as, as you mentioned, some of the things going on in, in food demand. We see some of it in, in the fiber and in the clothes they buy. I think there are some opportunities for cotton being a natural fiber. Uh, you know, we continue to monitor some of the concerns that are being raised and some of the research that's coming out regarding uh, polyester and man-made fiber and the microplastics as they're referred to, which is essentially those microfibers that are showing up in, in the oceans and in our rivers and streams. And those little microfibers do not degrade if they're from man-made fiber or polyester. Uh, you know, that's not to say that cotton doesn't also produce microfibers that does, but those degrade in a very short amount of time and do not stay in the environment. So we think that is a, uh, a positive for cotton when the consumer looks at which ones being uh, more environmentally sustainable environmentally friendly I think the other opportunity we have or or a challenge to the industry also and it's one we're we're stepping up to meet is we need to continue our efforts to convey to the consumer the responsible production practices of u s cotton farmers and we're uh, doing some new things with a new initiative to uh, some new farm-level activities that will further reinforce the sustainability or the responsible production practices. We've set some longer-term goals as an industry of how we want to continue to shrink the environmental footprint. We understand the challenges in front of us. We know what we have to do to continue to make sure that consumers want to buy uh, apparel and textile products made out of cotton. So a lot of work going on in the industry, uh, both within the National Cotton Council as well as Cotton Incorporated, to continue to convey that message.
0: In an interview with AgriPulse at USDA, Secretary Purdue said that farmers need to become more transparent with consumers. Is this a part of the effort that you're talking about, And and, and what do you feel like we have to share?
1: Well, and I and I think it's and, and you know we always have to be careful when we look at sharing individual producer data and that, and we've got to I think continue to protect that privacy, but I do think if you look at some of the data in an aggregate, an aggregate across producers, I do think we need to be able to demonstrate how our producers are becoming more efficient with their resource uses. We're already seeing some of that increased transparency when we look at some of the initiatives that are underway now with Field to Market, which the National Cotton Council is a participant of, and it's a sustainable sustainability alliance that has a tremendous number of commodity groups and uh, some brands and retailers, uh, some of the NGO community involved as well. And, you know, they come up with the metrics on the environmental footprint and really provide transparency in terms of or indicators of how our environmental footprint is shrinking. I think some of the things we're trying to do now is take that down to a farm level and have producers really assess and and respond to a questionnaire about how they're farming so that we can continue to demonstrate that, you know, this is how – these are the practices producers are doing. So I think there's there's a lot of transparency there. I think it's just – A lot of it is getting the message out and and making sure and educating the consumer about the good things that farmers are doing.
0: I think there's also a perception that family farms aren't big farms, and with the cotton industry, you face that size issue.
1: We do, and I I mean... The, the vast, vast majority of our farming operations are, are family farms, and I think that's something that needs to, to be understood, even though they are larger in size, and a lot of times they become larger in size to take advantage of and capitalize on economies of scale. But still, they are family farming operations, and that's something that I think consumers need to understand. You have to be of a certain size to be able, frankly, to manage the risk that's in farming today and also to be able to... Uh, uh, to make the equipment and the capital purchases that are necessary for a commercially viable operation.
0: So then thinking about the 116th Congress looking over our shoulder and also looking ahead, it seems like agriculture is constantly under the threat of a means test and a real definition of what's a net farm income and what's a gross farm income. You can be capital rich but cash poor.
1: Well, you can be, and I think that's some of the things that we always struggle with is the size of operating loans for many of these operations today is is staggering, when you consider it in terms of of a lot of household budgets. I mean, it's just a tremendous amount of debt that has to be taken on for a relatively small margin on the on the net, and, the, and a lot of times that small margin can can swing positive or negative depending on the, the either the bakeries of the market or weather. Uh, so it is a case where yes, you're you have you know heavily capital intensive. You have A lot of production loans. It's a very expensive crops to produce, uh, yet all for a very small margin at the end of the day.
0: Gary, how did you fare out of the 2018 Farm Bill?
1: There's a lot to like about in this Farm Bill that that, uh, came out. I thought, uh, all things considered, uh, cotton came out of it very well. Uh, We did uh, maintain uh, the seed cotton program, its eligibility for ARC and PLC. We were encouraged about that. We were encouraged also... uh, to continue to maintain a a very workable marketing loan program. Uh, There's support in the uh, farm bill for our U.S. textile industry, so that was maintained. Uh, We didn't see any tightening of the payment limits or the eligibility rules. That was encouraging as well. Uh, Crop insurance uh, remained intact. Uh, So I believe, you know, all in all, we're very pleased and very uh, supportive of the new farm bill.
0: How did the 35-day shutdown affect cotton producers, and what happens if that comes back, even in this late winter and early spring?
1: There was a lot happened in the shutdown that hit the industry, both producers and then even extending beyond to the marketers. Because uh, when we look across the commodities, cotton is one of the ones that's probably one of the heavier users of the marketing loan program. Even in times of stronger prices, it's used as a cash flow tool. Well, one of the things that we saw happen was that cotton that had been put in the loan uh, with the systems down could not be redeemed. So as producers were looking to make their marketing decisions and then the merchandisers trying to supply to our textile customers cotton, we were running into some very significant issues about availability of cotton just because it was in the loan and couldn't be redeemed. And likewise, you had farmers who wanted to put cotton in the loan, and that function wasn't uh, available. And then we kind of go through the other important FSA issues of we were in the midst of 2018 seed cotton implementation. We were in the midst of some of the 2017 disaster assistance sign-up going on, and then in the midst of market facilitation programs. So at various points in time, all of that was put on hold. Uh, We were very appreciative, though, of, of the efforts by, even before the shutdown ended, appreciative of the work by USDA to look for opportunities to reopen some of those FSA offices. So I do think Secretary Perdue and his team took a lot of efforts in terms of trying to bring those services back online. But in general... The shutdown was extremely disruptive, didn't see any benefit out of that, and we hope as they look forward toward that February 15th deadline that we don't see a repeat of any type of shutdown.
0: Let's look out in the crystal ball at the 116th Congress. Are the, is it safe to say that you have hopes and perhaps fears?
1: <laughs> yeah, you probably say both of both of those are, as we looked uh, at the new Congress, I think, one of the challenges that always occurs when you have a, a new Congress in place, and particularly one where I think in this most recent Congress, 90-something new members, is just the education process that has to has to occur with some of these new uh, members of Congress in terms of, of making sure they understand the importance of cotton in their district or their state and also educating uh those members of Congress on on cotton's priorities. So I do think that's one of the challenges we will be addressing as we move forward. You know, we look forward to continuing to work with the members of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees. You know, we have a great relationship with Congressman Peterson now uh, chairing the uh, House Ag Committee. Uh, so, yeah, I think we do see some opportunities there, but certainly some challenges. And I think a big part of it, going back to is just trying to make sure we uh, have the opportunity to educate uh, the new members about uh, cotton's priorities and issues.
0: Does agriculture have something to lose or gain in the climate change debate?
1: Oh, I think you could probably spin that in both directions, depending on which way it goes. I think that's going to be an interesting one to watch in terms of how it plays out, and I, and I think it's hard to it's hard to say at this point in terms of just the overall direction that it might take. And I think when we look at climate change, there's certainly concerns about what direction it may take. However, also I think with some of the uh, some of the initiatives that we look at, particularly within the industry and some of the goals we have on the uh, on our resource efficiency. And I go back to some of the goals that are set on greenhouse gas emissions that I think it can demonstrate that production, agriculture, and cotton are doing some things that are going to be proactive and positive for the climate.
0: Well, Gary Adams, it's a busy season, and we want to thank you for taking time to be with us here on this edition of Open Mic. Gary, it is Open Mic, and you get the last word today.
1: Well, I thank you very much for the chance to be here. I think we are at the cotton industry, looking forward to uh, 2019, I do think we see a lot of opportunities uh, last year was a challenge, and we've still got challenges ongoing with uh, with China and, and certainly look forward to implementing the Farm Bill. But I think at the end of the day, uh, we see a lot of potential in cotton. We see some demand improving, uh, and hopefully we're setting ourselves up for uh, the wet weather that has made for a difficult harvest. Hopefully is putting us in shape for a good production year as we go into 2019.
0: Our thanks to National Cotton Council President and CEO Gary Adams, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. Syngenta Products and Services, helping farmers increase their return on investment. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nelly